Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 40 The Dance with Death Believe it or no, there's a few things I never expect to see in the shop. A smartphone, a laptop made any time after 1985, and everyone's favourite Auntie Madam. I know she's been in before, many moons ago, but never since. The bell went, interrupting my game with Kronos, and I took the obligatory glance over expecting a stranger to be staring round like a bairn in a sweetie shop. Our game was quickly abandoned when my feline pal and I realised who'd walked through the front door. Just as well, I was losing pretty badly, as usual. I felt my body tense up as she walked further into the shop, the last echoes of the bell replaced by the clip of her heels on the wooden floor. Kronos gauged her languidly, and I was half hoping he'd activate beast mode, or at least gear a menacing hiss. But he wasn't as bothered by her presence as I was. Reed, probably receiving a distress signal from my familiar's ring, emerged from the aisle he'd disappeared down half an hour before, and froze when he realised this was no ordinary customer. A wee stupid part of me expected her to pull out Madame Norna's card and ask to be escorted upstairs. Never one to miss a social cue, Anora spread a smile across her dark lips. It wasn't a friendly or vicious, reassuring or antagonistic. Enjoyment curved her mouth rested in the fine lines of her cheeks. She liked being feared. In her deep, smoky voice, she informed us we didn't need to be afraid. She wasn't here to cause trouble. Realising that none of us were going to offer her a cup of tea, she came to lean gracefully on the glass counter, a metre or two away from Kronos and I. I didn't like her this close. Didn't like that she smelled like spices and autumn and red leaves blowing in the wind. Didn't like that she smelled like the end of something. I just didn't know what. She was simply here to tell us something she thought we'd want to know. Finn was in need of our help. His past had come back no just to haunt him, but kill him in retribution of all his past deeds. I had so many questions I didn't know what to ask first, so ended up biting the inside of my lip instead. How much did Anora know about Finn, especially his past? Did she know what had happened at the funeral and the history behind it? How did she know he was in trouble now? If what she was saying was true, 
then had she set his vengeful past onto him? Why, though, he hadn't been unfaithful to her? Right. Reed was the first one to voice something by asking why we should believe her. Her grin deepened, almost showing the pearl whites of her teeth. As our anxiety began to grow fangs, her enjoyment grew with it. Anora shrugged her shoulders with a nonchalance that had me biting so hard on my lip I began to taste blood. It was up to us if we believed her. But were we really willing to take the risk? She replied. I hated that she had a point. I knew I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror if something were to happen to Finn that I could have prevented but didn't because I was suspicious of Anora. I glanced at Reed, for once no knowing what he was thinking. Ever since the day Finn told us the truth about his past, the atmosphere between my two familiars had been civil at best and downright chilly at worst. It was different for the start when they were bickering like bairns. I wish I hadn't complained about it as much at the time because I'd give anything for them to start doing that again. The cold civility was torture. It didn't sit well we read that Finn had got away with his sins, with the awful things he'd done to people, We no taking responsibility for his choices and actions. Perhaps Reed thought it was time for some retribution, for the debts to be paid. Did I think the same? What if it was Finn's fate to die today? What if that was the price he had to pay for his past? The silence had stretched too long for Anora. Our faces and frowns must have grown tiresome. She stood up feeling in on the counter and told me I'd know where to find him, whilst she gestured to her pinky finger and nodded at my own hand, clenched in a fist at my side. Before she left the shop, just as she'd opened the door and the bell had rung quietly, she looked back at me and said she didn't usually give her help without asking for something in return. But she'd forgo the price this time, as long as I remembered who it was that had helped me. This went in one ear and out the other at the time, but thinking about it now, it sounds like a warning. Maybe no a warning, but a promise. Anora left the three of us alone to the silence. I feel terrible now about that silence for the time I wasted. What was I doing hesitating? This was Finn. But this could also be fate. If he was destined to die today, then so be it. But I knew I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try to save him. I stared at Reed thinking that the frown of his brow was hesitation or relish or reluctance or whether I was projecting my own emotions onto him. Are you coming? was all I asked. 
He hesitates, and my heart clenched. Was this who Reed really was? Did he feel that strongly about Finn's misdeeds that he'd forget the good things Finn had done? Were friendships and bonds really so easy for Reed to break and forget? Was taking the moral high ground more important? If I went, would I lose Reed instead? If I didn't decide, I was going to lose them both. I'm going. It came out as a growl. I couldn't look at Reed on my way to the door, not even at his reflection in the windows. I hated the disappointment in him that was threatening to overwhelm me. I pulled open the door so violently I thought the glass was going to break, only for it to be caught by someone behind me. Reed followed me out onto the street. Anora had said I'd know how to find Finn. I didn't think she was aware of how stupid I was, but even I could see the red string that attached to my familiar's ring and wound down the street and round the corner. At the other end had to be Finn. How long this mysterious crimson thread was anybody's guess? I didn't know how long we were walking away from the shop following it. Everything became a blur. The traffic, the other pedestrians, the buses, taxis and bikes. Eventually, we made our way into an area of the town that was called Murder Mile by some locals with a dark sense of humour. No one wanted to be here in the dark. It was a dilapidated part of town. You know the ones. All the businesses have been shut up for years. Most of the residents are connected in some way to drugs, gangs or both, and the police have given up patrolling the area altogether. It's a lost cause. The thread ran down a dingy alleyway covered in graffiti and overfilled bins, eventually making its way through an ajar door. I peer through the gap, slowly opening it to reveal a tiled room inside, the remnants of a kitchen or butcher. There are two people on the floor, one bearing down on the other. I see the glimmer a cold steel as it reflects the daylight filtering through the doorway. As soon as the person on top notices we've entered, he stands up and stumbles back, away from the other man lying on the floor. I didn't need to see the victim's face to know it's Finn. And the orange floor tiles do nothing to hide the blood that's now seeping from his body. To my surprise, Reed launches himself through the door to Finn's side, his hand pressing on the puncture wounds to try and stem the bleeding. The attacker makes the mistake a shuffling, a trying to stop himself from falling, but I still see the glimmer of the knife. And I feel the same rush of anger I did at the shop with the academic. The man yelps in fright as the knife in his hand disintegrates, falling through his fingers like sand. I'm no satisfied. I want him to disappear, to hurt, to be nothing but a pile of particles on the floor. This time's no like the last. 
I'm no overwhelmed. It's like I have a calm kind of control over whatever this power is. I can feel it causing my whole body to tingle. Like I can do anything with a simple thought, a simple movement. The man crumples to the floor, drawing my attention back to the current situation. I see the remnants of the knife, the pile of dust it's become, and I want to make a second, larger pile that I can watch blow away in the breeze. Maya? Someone shouts my name, and the power flowing through my veins evaporates. I glance shakily to Reed, who has Finn's heed cradled on his knees whilst trying to keep pressure on the wounds on his chest. Reed tells me to leave the man, that Finn needs me now, needs me more. The attacker seizes his chance and blows past me at the door. I let him go. I step closer to where Finn and Reed are on the floor. Notice with silent horror as the blood begins to reach my feet. Finn chuckles weakly and says... He'd always hoped he'd die in the arms of someone prettier. Before Reed can make a retort, Finn's gone. When I was a bairn, I used to go swimming. Sometimes, instead of going up and doing the pool, doing laps like I was supposed to, I'd hold my breath and plunge beneath the water. All of the noise, a splashing, a screaming bairns, shouting parents, the radio station coming through the speakers, was gone, like I'd been thrown into a vacuum. The moments after Finn's death were like that. The world collapsed to that small room on Murder Mile. Suddenly, there's a darkness about the room, a shadow that wasn't there before. It's barely noticeable, but there's a shift, as though something's looming over this place. Feeling a presence at my back, I whip around and didn't know how I managed to stifle the scream. My granny used to tell horrible stories when I was wee, about the monsters and ghouls of Scotland. She even had a book full of pictures and tales of them. One that always stayed with me was the Bodach. A cloaked humanoid figure whose face was never seen and who only appeared when someone was about to die. What scared me the most was the mystery of it. All of the other creatures, fairies, mischief makers, hags, all had faces, had descriptions. But the Bodach was a figure cloaked in darkness. No discernible teeth, fangs, eyes or face. It moved past me, taking no notice, and made its way towards Finn. I knew what this presence was. Of course I did. Death. I watch as it moves silently across the tiles towards my two familiars. 
Reed doesn't seem to notice, his eyes fixated on Finn's peaceful face. This thing was death, this creature in the same room with us. I tell it to stop. I didn't know how I found my voice or where I pulled the courage fae, but I wasn't prepared when it turned around to face me, looking exactly like the bodach fae my childhood. Almost too much like it, an exact replica. Wasn't death supposed to be the grim reaper with skeletal face and large golden scythe? Had I missed something? It still has no face, but I know I have its attention. Especially when it greets me and calls me Fate's Apprentice. Aye, it would know who I was. It tells me it likes my choicey image. It's been a while since it's been a bodach. I recall a similar conversation, no so long ago, with another entity. Fate needed people to give it a form. Was death the same? To me, death was fear. And fear was a bodach. I beg the bodach no to take Finn. The plea falls through my mouth, even though I know it's impossible and that he's already gone and that you can't reason with death. My mind draws blanks. Reeling fae watching as Finn's blood inches closer to me. I have no leverage, no clever plan, no witty retort, no charm. I have nothing. I didn't remember seeing the bodach move, but it does until it's a breath away fae me, close enough to reach out and touch. Every fibre in my being screams at me, but I stand my ground. Somewhere in the background, Reed asks me who I'm talking to, but I ignore him. Apparently, only I can see death. It may have been my imagination, but I swear the figure sighs. In truth, it says, Finn wasn't scheduled to die that day. It was why they were a wee bit late. Since that was the case, they supposed they could make a deal, since it was with Fate's apprentice. Unfortunately, Finn was already dead, so couldn't he be brought completely back to life in the wider world? However, the shop was a neutral zone, out with the usual rules and regulations, so Finn could happily live within its boundaries. But we weren't in the shop, I pointed out stupidly. The orange tiles beneath my feet were replaced by wood, the emptiness replaced by the chaotic clutter of the shop. In a breath, we were inside the neutral zone. I noticed Reed's confusion as he glanced around, everywhere but at death who stood in front of me. Finn would live as long as he was within the shop's boundaries, death confirmed. But as soon as he stepped foot outside, 
he'd be dead for good. All I could do was nod. The bodach disappeared, taking the shadow away it. I felt sick. I thought I was going to collapse. But before I could, I heard Finn take a large gasp of air. A smartphone, a laptop made after... nope. Emerged from the aisle he'd disappeared doing half an hour... Half an hour? Yeah, that's the proper way to say that, but (laughs) I do draw the line at that. (laughs) Half an hour? Oh dear. But I knew I couldn't live with myself if I didn't eat... All of the other creatures, fairies, mischief mischief makers... Thank you for listening to episode 40 of The Antique Shop. <laughs> I was about to say episode 41 will be released in two weeks' time, and then I thought, no, that's not how that's going to work. I hope you liked this episode, the end of the block, the end of the season. No cliffhanger this time, I was, I was kind. <laughs> so yes, a fun fact. Actually, no, do you know what? I will keep the fun fact. There you go. There is a fun fact about this episode that I will put on Reddit. So go and join the Reddit community. We're getting close to 200 members. (laughs) Such a large community. (laughs) So yes, we're getting close to 200. And by that, I mean it's about 160 the last time I looked. So yes, I will be sharing a fun fact about this episode on Reddit. So go and join Reddit. There's my, there we go. I did something clever. (laughs) I was clever about it instead of just telling you the fun fact. Yes. I'm so proud of myself. I got to editing this episode and realised that I had forgotten to explain quite an important detail about the episode, so I will explain it now. It's Scottish folklore time, everybody's favourite time on this podcast. I included a bodach or a botach or however you pronounce it. I'm going to admit it is a Gaelic word. I don't speak Gaelic. I know how you pronounce quite a lot of stuff in Gaelic but I don't actually speak it and I couldn't really find a, an accurate pronunciation for the word so it's spelled B-O-D-A-C-H and I think the general consensus that I understood was it was bodach or botach I can't they sound the same to you probably but either a D or the T I'm not quite sure if somebody does know how to pronounce that word in Gaelic please please tell me because I could not find a reliable source of pronunciation. Information on it in general is quite sparse anyway. haven't explained to you what it is yet though, which is the funniest part. So yes, I apologise if I haven't pronounced it properly. <laughs> please, please don't come for me. So a bodach, or botach, however you pronounce it, is a creature in Scottish folklore and it's essentially the exact same as I described in the episode when Maya sees it. It's a kind of humanoid figure, um, doesn't really have a face, doesn't really have a kind of, you know, like features or anything like that. From my understanding, it's usually witnessed when someone in a clan is about to die. So it is like a an omen, if, if, 
you can maybe call it that. It, it's like an omen of a death, a, an imminent death in the family. Usually, the, the from what I understand, it's the clan, like a clan death, but obviously like a family death. So yeah, it's like an omen. Somebody will see a bodach or a botach and it's an omen that somebody is going to die. There's a few things like that in Scottish folklore. I think there's something similar in Irish folklore as well. I don't know if it's called the same thing. But obviously there's a lot of overlap between Irish and Gaelic. Sorry, Irish and Gaelic. <laughs> Irish and Scottish folklore. So yeah, there's there's quite a few omens in kind of Gaelic, in general, the broader sense, Gaelic, Irish and Scottish. The, we, we quite like our omens. We quite like our bad things that mean bad things. Because as I swear, I, I'm pretty sure a bodach is not the only thing in folklore that indicates something bad's going to happen. Uh, but that might just be me mixing, confusing things, which wouldn't be the first time. So yes, a bodach is an actual creature slash being in Scottish folklore. Uh, so it is real. So yes, if you are interested, I've given you the spelling of it and everything. Um, not much information about it. It's not very well known. I didn't know what it was until I kind of started delving into Scottish mythology a lot either. So yes, there's your Scottish folklore of the day. <laughs> Go and hope you don't see one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Oh, right. Sorry. I forgot about the fact that I'm taking two months off. <laughs> Perfect timing. I think I said last episode that I'll be gone for a while. Not that long. Two months, probably. Maybe longer. My life is threatening to get quite busy again. (laughs) I'm possibly moving up the country. Oh yes, I'm possibly going back to Scotland. I probably should have mentioned that. If For those of you who don't know, because I took the Q&A sessions off of this feed, I live in England at the minute. I recently got, well, yes, I recently got a job in Scotland, but obviously because of remote working and because of restrictions and stuff, I've been allowed, or I've stayed down where I was doing my PhD, essentially, I've not moved. But my, everything's opening up at the minute in the UK and that people are expected to go back into the office and stuff. And so yes, I might be moving in the next few months back to Scotland. The mothership has called me home at last. So yes, um, yes, the mothership has called me back. So I'm looking to move in the next month or two, which is slightly inconvenient. But I will keep everybody updated on where things are at. I, I'm currently looking at the same timeline of like two two months probably, and then I'll be back. But obviously, if I have to move all of my stuff up, it might be a bit longer than that. But I will definitely keep you all updated. So that's that. I think that's everything I wanted to say. Uh, Yes, if you have any questions, any comments, anything, then email ghostly.thistle at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter or on Reddit as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.